programmes for this Christmas Eve on BBC One. At 5.40, Adventure Afternoon programmes for Christmas Day include new film of highlights from some of the great comedy movies. Christmas Day on BBC One at 11.45. An evening of all-star seasonal entertainment for Christmas Day with ITV includes a special 3 to 1. Hello and welcome to Who's He TV. And as you can probably tell from that little intro there, this one's all about Christmas television. Now, was Christmas television that much better when I was a lad? And that means the 1970s and the 1980s. Well, I certainly seem to think so. There seemed to be more variety on the television then. And of course you had the mighty Morecambe and Wise... Every Morecambe Wise, you possibly had a Christmas Crossroads or a Christmas Valdunican. And that perennial favourite for some reason, a circus. I've never understood the appeal of circuses. And, well, clowns are not exactly Christmas Day fair for a lot of people, let's be perfectly honest. So, what we're going to do in this episode is take over the Christmas Day schedules. Yes, this time we're going to have our perfect Christmas Day television. Now, it might be made out of films... Variety shows, comedy, dramas, you name it, it could be absolutely anything. But the important thing is, it must be festive. So joining me today to go through our choice of festive Christmas telly, it's a returning guest, um, it's from Goon Pod, it's Tyler Adams. Tyler, welcome back, mate. Merry Christmas, Phil. Merry Christmas, Tyler. Merry Christmas. So uh, thank you for, for coming on today, um, because I, I sort of set you a bit of a challenge for this one, didn't I? Oh, it's, oh blimey, yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically, um, for, for everyone at home, just to sort of let them know what they're, what they're about to listen to. So um, Tyler and I, we selected uh, some films and, and TV shows uh, for, uh, for our sort of perfect Christmas Day television, um, but neither of us knows what the other has picked. So our selections are a complete surprise to each other. The, the, so, the, um, the tension is palpable, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Yes. It really is. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I can hear I can hear that there's everyone, the sharp intake of breath from the listeners at home right now. Yes. So. <laughs> and what, hang on, what, what happens if we've both chosen the same things? Do we, what do we do? Well, I say if we both chose the same thing, I'll say great minds think alike. Do we strip to the waist and fight? (laughs) (laughs) Wrapped in tinsel, of course. Yes. (laughs) Of course, it is Christmas after all. But um, so, um, so I I thought, um, actually, Tyler, we we would start the day off with a film. Okay. Okay. So, um, as as you're my honoured guest, you can go first. So, um, what, what? Phil, would you like to kick Christmas Day off with? Okay, so the premise I've gone with here is that, um, and I have spent quite a lot of time going through, uh, not the actual magazines, but online there are resources where you can see what ITV, BBC, etc. broadcast on Christmas Mm. Day in years gone by. So I was working on the premise, rather than choosing a film which is ostensibly a Christmas film, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's a wonderful life, which I do love, by the way. Um, yep, same here. I chose two films that have got nothing to do with Christmas, but were broadcast on Christmas days back in the day. 
Ah, okay. 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 Now, is that okay, or were you looking for? No, that's no, that's absolutely fine. That's absolutely fine. I think the, I think one of the one of the things about these Christmas things, and certainly some of the ones I've selected myself, they're not necessarily shown on either sort of Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, or Boxing Day. They're just sort of known as Christmas specials, or you might just associate them with Christmas. It might be something you you might watch religiously every year because it's what you watch as a as a as a child or something or you know it's whatever sort of what you associate your association is with Christmas with these well, these these selections. Okay, so. well let let me say this then, and and this is just Go going wide not wildly off topic, but I suppose I have to um, give a little bit of context here. Okay, because I grew up in a country. Um, 3000 miles away. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um and growing up in New Zealand in the in the 70s and 80s, late 70s and 80s, Christmas as in Australia, Christmas was was slightly different to it is over in the UK. Okay. Mm. Um it wasn't as big a thing and it was celebrated slightly differently and it was the middle of summer so people didn't watch a lot of TV on Christmas mm-hmm. day. People were outdoors, people were I my memories of Christmas Day meals was sitting outside at you know at huge sort of trestle tables on the lawn having um sort of not barbecue food but you'd eat outdoors and and it was very you know to have people from you know the the you know the neighborhood would come and there'd be like Christmas parties outdoors okay yeah so we didn't yeah. watch a lot of TV uh, Christmas television or Christmas Day television, was not really that much of a thing, okay, when okay. I was growing up. It's only since... So, you know, I I came to live in the UK more or less when I was in my mid to late teens. Um, mm. So a lot of what I'm going to be talking about is, is, is sort of from that period onwards, if you like. Sure, okay. Um, but I don't... There's, there's not a lot of films which are, which are ostensibly Christmas films that I enjoy and i guess it's purely because they just didn't show them when i was a kid really um i i do love it's a wonderful life mm-hmm. um but the film the, the, the one of the the films i did choose which is a film that was actually the big christmas day film on bbc one in 1975 and it's a film i'm very very fond of uh is yeah. um, butch cassidy and the sundance kid Ah, okay. Mm. Okay. So so what 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 why have you sort of selected that? Is it just a favourite film of yours full stop? Yeah, it is. It is. And it was it would be the sort of film that I would love I would <laughs> I've never watched it on Christmas Day, but I'd be very happy in fact I'd probably do it this Christmas Day if I can. I was I would sit down and watch that any excuse to sit on and sit down and watch that film. Um because it's you know it's probably as far away from being Christmassy as you as you can get. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's um, Bolivia. I, <laughs> you know. Yeah. For a start. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's. Um, do you know what? I can't remember the last time I actually saw that film. Actually, I, I think it must be a good. Oh blimey! It's probably about forty years ago. Well, since I last saw that 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 movie, that's. Um, I mean, it's always repeated. I just never got around to watching it. Yeah, it's it's not. It's kind of. I sometimes I I fluctuate because it's obviously it's it's Redford and Newman, and you know they made 
the sting as well which i i go through periods where sometimes i think the sting is the better film sometimes i think butch cassidy's the better film you know yeah but i love those two together they play off each other so well uh and butch cassidy has has got one of the best endings in a motion picture oh yeah it has yeah um and i could just imagine sitting around you know on a on a on a on a cold christmas day afternoon with you know everyone's had the christmas dinner and and uh you know, Nan's been on the sherry and she's snoozing quietly in the corner and everyone's stuffed and they're just sort of sitting <laughs> back and, and uh, just, you know, it comes on the telly and it just, you know, it's just perfect. There's, there's nothing vulgar. There's no swearing. There's no sex. There's no real violence to speak of. You know, there is some, but it's not, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it is a family film, I feel. And, yeah. Um, and, and, and there's a really incongruous, sort of um, musical scene right in the middle of it where um, Paul Newman's on a bicycle while raindrops keep oh, right. yes, on that's the head right. yeah. his play. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's one that's one of the things I can um I can remember. It was it was that and then jumping off <laughs> Yes. The cliff at the end. Yeah. Yeah, with you what he's saying he can't swim. Oh no, no, that's was... that's not the end. That's Oh no, that's not the end, but in my mind, mm. because it's such a long time since I've seen it to me, that was the end. But I know the end is, is them running out of the building with the shootout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. Oh, you um, spoiled it now. I know. Uh, spoilers <laughs> for for a fifty-year-old <laughs> movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no. Um, apologies, Phil. If if I've already ruined the premise of this podcast, the format of this podcast. No, no. Uh, I mean, that's the thing because there's so many different types of films that are shown over the Christmas period. I think. Um, so I think, especially in the UK, a lot of them are just sort of they think because I mean that might have been one at one time the big Christmas Day movie. It was, yeah, yeah. That that's that that's the thing. Um, I do I so, do have the benefit, by the way, um, of yeah. I, I have a couple of very close friends who I speak to all the time, who both are, um, what would you call them? I suppose TV history archive buffs okay mm, and yeah. one of them in particular is is you know he, he could probably have a phd in christmas television schedules you know yeah uh, he knows so much about things like that and um and i asked him and he he told you know he sort of said you know films like butch cassidy were you know they would you know people would like talking about them you know for days after they were they were shown because they had you know the first time they'd been shown on television and it was before yeah. um, VHS before you could freely access these films um, so it was a big event you know a bit like I think when um, Raiders of the, the the Lost Ark was shown was it eighty three eighty four on BBC One Christmas Day yes yeah that was um, yeah do you know what we we recorded that. Um off the off the telly, yeah, and we had all, had all the ad breaks in. I, I'm, unfortunately, the the video cassette has long since um, long since disappeared. But but at each ad break, um, you had the little sting of the the Indiana Jones theme tune and, and, and a little sort of almost like a little uh, trail for which was used to come out into the advert and back out of the advert. Okay, yeah, again, yeah. Um, and yeah, it was tri- it was like a a real big event. I think it was on the front of the TV Times, the, the Christmas exactly. TV Times for that. Yeah, it was that year as well. Yeah, yeah. 
so so yeah. although they weren't you know they didn't feature santa or people having mishaps on christmas day or whatever they were christmas movies because they were event television that people talk exactly about. which which i think i think this is um which is what I, I found when i was sort of going through trying to and i've got loads of things i could have selected and i, I had to be quite ruthless in in cutting things down and i think yeah i mean that's the thing it, it's things that as you say not necessarily christmasy but they were shown on christmas Day as the big event movie um of of the christmas periods and each channel had one back then and, and i think that kind of thing's kind of missing Yes. Now, because everything's released so quickly, it's in the cinema, it's out on DVD, or it's out on streaming, and that sort of that event is gone. Well, the only now, people that the only people that appreciate the big Christmas Day film nowadays mm. are grandparents. I don't want to sound like him. That's a sweeping generalization, but older people <laughs> who are a little bit suspicious of they don't even know what streaming services are. In some cases, you know, no, they no, exactly, um, exactly. They don't, they don't buy DVDs or anything like that. So, you know, for them, it's the first time they've seen such and such a film. So, yeah, but the well, rest of us, I, I, I did, I'll say to, to give you an example of that before I get onto onto my first choice is um, a friend of my mother-in-law. Both both of them are sadly um, deceased. Um, she wants to watch something that was that's coming on a film that was coming on Netflix. I said, oh, I really want to watch this film. It's on Netflix. I have to find out what time it's on. <laughs> said, yeah. Yeah. The concept of streaming was completely lost yes. on her. And when, I think when I think my wife, expl- no, my wife explained to her, I said, no, you can watch it any time you like. It's online. It's streamed. You can watch it. Yeah, but what time is it on? She just couldn't grasp the whole streaming concept, which I think is quite um, quite sweet, actually. To it be honest is. with you. I mean, yeah. saying, saying all that, right, my daughter, who's nearly 16 earlier today was just saying to me um because of my podcast you know you you should mm. get you know you should, you should what did she say you should have it on tiktok or something or promote it on tiktok and it was oh. like you know like i i looked at like a high court judge in 1963 <laughs> hearing the 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 name of the Beatles being uttered for the first time and saying who are the Beatles you know i felt like that kind of old crusty old <laughs> Or as they come at your podcast, who are who are, what is this go on show? Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the crusty. What's that? Yeah, tick, what's this TikTok nonsense? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so good choice. So my my choice to kick off Christmas Day uh, with is it's a family film, um, which I I don't recall if it was ever actually ever shown at Christmas, but it's a it's a film we with my kids I introduced them to this film at Christmas and it's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory ah. the Gene Wilder ah. version which is one of my all-time favorite films now um I have got a, a bit of an omission to make here um if anyone asked me to sit down and watch a musical I said I'd rather shove knitting needles in my ears than than because I I I cannot get on with musicals uh, at all. Uh, I'm with you, brother. Uh, uh, I'm with you. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, kindred spirits here. Um, apart from this film, which I think is wonderful. It, it, I, it is. And, and, of course, there is a goon connection, kind of. Yes, there is. Yeah. There is. And also, funnily enough, there is also a Christmas connection because in December 1984, this film was released in the UK on VHS and Betamax. 
Oh, right. Yeah, okay. so it, it got it got a, a Christmas release okay. many, many years later. So. <laughs> well, it's the sort of film you'd watch at Christmas. It is, because it is, is a, a family film. I, I think I think I actually first saw this at Easter because of the, uh, the you know the, the the chocolate and sweets connection. Yeah. I think it was shown as an Easter film uh, rather than a Christmas film. But I think it, I think this works more as a Christmas movie. It, to be honest, because it's got that sort of magical feel to it. If you see what I mean, has, which, and, which sort of suits Christmas. And look, I'll, I'll get this out of the way now. The, the reason it's got a goon connection is that Roald Dahl originally thought that he, his preferred casting would have been Spike Milligan in the past. Exactly. The of, uh, uh, now, I, well, reading up on this, apparently, and I don't, I don't know if this is true and you can shed any light on this, apparently Peter Sellers begged to do the role. I believe so. Now, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've, I, yeah I don't know, I've never read anything else about it. Um or hear, or hear anyone else talk about it. All I've heard is about the, as you said, about Roldale wanted Milligan to do it. Um, makes you wonder what kind of a film it would have been had Milligan. Um, I, 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 I saddens me to say, I think it wouldn't have been as good. No, because you get Milligan, don't you? You do. Yeah. yeah. And Milligan's great. It pains but, me but to say it as well. <laughs> Milligan, as we, you and I discussed with the great McGonagall, he can't carry an entire film. No, he can't. No. It's a great film. The Great McGonagall, but it's not a mainstream film in the set, you know, no. in the way that. Oh no, it's it's very very niche, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> very, very very niche. But um, but what I love about this film, it's a very strange film as well because it's um, they say it's an American musical fantasy um, as as it's described. But it's actually sort of it, it was a German co-production. So a lot of it was filmed in um, in Germany. So you've got this. So all the out. Sort of outside footage in the streets. There's this weird um, mishmash of like German architecture, and and you've got people with American accents running around talking. Yeah, um, yeah. it's it's a very peculiar peculiar mishmash. Um, but I think that's what makes it even. That's what adds to the whole fantasy aspect of this film. W- without building yeah. lavish sets, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, um, you see, Gene Wilder is uh, oh, a genius. I think I, 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 yeah, I can think of no films that I've not enjoyed him in. I mean, the films might have been crummy, but he's always mm. given hundred percent. And he's oh, his. I mean, even the what's that film from the the eighties, The Woman in Red, which yeah. Very difficult to watch nowadays because of some of the sexual politics and or the, the the just some of the the themes and and the yeah you know um, the whole the whole idea of it is you're supposed to sympathise with this guy who wants to have an affair and we're supposed to sympathise with him you know and he's cheating <laughs> on his wife and his kids you know all the rest of it but Gene Wilder is so likable that it's difficult not to like. The film, yes, exactly, it's exactly, crazy. Yeah, um, I think that's the thing. I mean, that that first time you see him when he, when he walks out of the factory with the, he does that trip with the cane. Oh yes, and he does the yes, he does the forward roll and bounce, yeah, with the top out. You know, it's it's absolutely magical. But then um, he gives this really eccentric performance, and then when it gets to the bit with the the, the boat, um, it becomes he gives this really menacing and scary 
performance yes, as well, indeed, which absolutely. which is absolutely it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. There's no earthly way of knowing <laughs> which direction we are going. There's no knowing where we're rowing or which way the river's flowing. Is it raining? Is it snowing? Is a hurricane a blowing? <laughs> Not a speck of light is showing, so the danger must be growing. Are the fires of hell a glowing? Is the grizzly reaper mowing? Yes! The danger must be growing, for the rowers keep on rowing, and they're certainly not showing any signs that they are slowing. But I, I, I mean, the amount of character actors in this film as well. I mean, Roy Kinnear. I mean, yeah. I've always thought Roy Kinnear was fantastic. And he's brilliant in this as well. He really is. Um, and even get a little... Um, Tim Brooke Taylor gets a, a cameo in this as well, yeah. doesn't he? With the with the computer. Um, and he gets that best... And I, I'm going to show exactly what the, what he can do with a lifestyle supply of chocolate. So... <laughs> so. <laughs> Gives one of the best lines in the film, but yeah, I, I think it, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful movie. I really do, and I think it's um, and I don't know what it was. I mean, obviously, you said New Zealand. It's not Christmas Day television. Wasn't like what it or was over here. So um, I think sort of the family film. It's usually an old family film um, that would you sometimes they use that to kick the day off. Yeah. If, yeah, if it wasn't well, sort perfect. of like yeah exactly exactly and, and so, by um, the way um i maintain that two of the most perfect british comedies stroke family films mm. of the last 10 years are paddington one and two Okay. Oh yes, yes. Directed by directed by and I think co-written by Paul King and Paul King Simon Farnaby, and yeah. And if you'd said to me a month ago, "Oh, there's a new film called Wonka coming out, and it's meant to be brilliant," I'd have gone. Pfft. But those two are attached to it, and I'm hearing nothing and reading nothing but rave reviews about this this new Wonka film. Yeah. Well, it's it's weird actually because last night my. Wife and her, one of her friends took the went with my kids, our kids to see it. Okay, um, and it's 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 more of a musical yeah. than you expect it to be. Okay. Um, right. But they said it was absolutely brilliant, and uh, Hugh Grant steals the film from under their well, noses. He basically. stole the, yeah. <laughs> stole the film in Paddington Two. So Two exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, brilliant. So it's um, yeah, so it, it comes highly recommended by my wife and kids. Good. <laughs> Excellent. There you go. There you go. So let's move on to a um, let's have a sort of variety or a, a comedy show now. So um, what what have, what's your selection there? Okay. So the first selection and people that listen to Goon Pod will, I mean, obviously they they know that I'm keen on the goons and mm. that's a given. Okay. Um, but they will know from if you know, regular listeners will know that I, I am very, very fond. In fact, I've interviewed on the show Griff Reese Jones. I'm very, very fond of Smith and Jones. Yes. 
1987, there was a Christmas special, Alas, Smith & Jones Christmas video, Christmas home video. Um, I remember it well, yeah. Do you remember that, Phil? I do remember watching it, yeah. Do you know what? It's one of those things, before before you carry on, it's Smith & Jones has very rarely, if at all, been repeated. I know, and it's criminal. And I don't know why. Um, again, me and friends, we, we have like a watch club where we, through Skype, you know, we sync up files and we watch old stuff that isn't you know you you can't stream basically um <laughs> yeah, and we've yeah. recently been watching a lot of Alas Smith and Jones and I used to have it all taped you know in the 80s um so some of it most of it including this is sort of hammered into my soul you know I I could I can you know I can recite it word for word um mm. and I don't know why Alas Smith and Jones isn't repeated even like compilation shows you know there, there was a there were a, a, there was a series of compilation shows. I think about twenty years ago, fifteen, twenty years ago. Mm, there, you're right. Um, yeah, there was. Yeah, but uh, no, and and again, you know, I love not the nine o'clock news and 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 that as well. Mm. Um, but unless Smith and Joe, uh, the, the 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 series of nineteen eighty six, eighty seven had like a recurring sort of um, sequence, which was. Um, home video basically and it yes. had yes that's it right. had yeah. uh, griff as the the dad of the family yeah it had a mum i can't remember who played that it had <laughs> the daughter who had a baby it had the teenage son who was played by do you know who was who played the teenage son phil oh you, oh he's someone quite famous now isn't it he is um, now um well he, he certainly was about 10 years ago and i believe he's just been in strictly come dancing maybe or on strictly come dancing um oh nigel Harmon. um oh yes who played yes. dennis in eastenders for years that's right yeah um and making up the the the, the sort of family unit is um, Mel Smith as Len the Lodger, who was you know, <laughs> typical Mel Smith, this filthy, vested, drunkard <laughs> slob. Yeah. Um, and in 1987, they put out this this Christmas special, which was basically, um, there was no plot to it. It was just um, them stealing a Christmas tree, uh, stealing someone's turkey from a supermarket car park, um, having a Christmas party, which culminated in the grandfather having a heart attack or something and being <laughs> rushed to hospital. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just like, um, uh, it was, you know, this, this family is like the worst family in the world. Like that Monty Python sketch from Python sketch. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say that. Yeah. It was like a, a, an update of that for the eighties. Um, <laughs> and, and I absolutely adored that. I had it on video. I watched it on a loop. And I will take that to my grave, I think. I, I think it's one of those, it's those things sort of like, I think that they're the ones that sort of stick in them in the memory more because they, so they don't get repeated. Yes. And I know sometimes that the, mem- the memory cheats mm. now and again. Um, oh, yes. Which it certainly did for me when you met, we, we were t- talking about Butch Cassidy um, there because I just remember the end of the film was them jumping off the cliff and it wasn't, the, you know. Um, so... You know, the memory sort of like as as time passes, it, the memory does become that much hazier um, as well. But um, 
So it's good when these sort of things do occasionally, someone will upload them onto YouTube. You can watch them there, um, but it's, it's good that you've got you've you've got you've watched it so many times. You've got that almost like a perfect recall. <laughs> yeah, and 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 it is a bit. It's my show, the Goon Pod, so I'm I'm allowed to choose the content. Yes, and I have had a. a there's been a disproportionate number of guests who have worked with Griffiths Jones or Mal Smith over the years, <laughs> um, including John Lloyd recently, and um, I insist that uh the star of uh not the nine o'clock not the nine o'clock news was not Rowan Atkinson, it was Mel Smith. I think Mel Smith hugely underrated. Yes, definitely. Um actually funny I li- I listened to the episode of the Goon Pod we were talking about Smith and Jones. I think it wasn't the one with, with Griff on there. Mm. But you played a clip of Mel Smith playing um a, a tramp? Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, I hadn't seen... I haven't seen that since it was aired all those years yeah. ago. But I, I, I was a slight digression here, but I was, I was watching it with my parents, and then when Mel Smith sat down on the sofa <laughs> and then broke wind, yeah. it's the action he does. It's lifting the cheek <laughs> as off, off the sofa. And, my, and he let out this thunderous fart. And my dad was absolutely helpless with laughter. <laughs> I will never ever forget that, and I think that's where I get my love of fart gags from. So yeah. from I, I've inherited that from my from my dad. Um, yeah, he, he loves a good fart gag, and, and he really appreciated that one. <laughs> no, I mean Mel was equally at home playing a wino or a tramp or a down and out or a hobo, as he yeah. was a sophisticated dinner party guest. Mm. You know, um, and he was always he was always real he was never playing a caricature he was it, there was always uh, I've always I always say this 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 naturalistic style to Mel's performance you know uh, yeah yeah it's um I, again a slight digression my cousins um met them all right they came to their they came to their school this is back in the back in the 80s yeah um and they they'd come to like a, a talk to the class or something like that um and they they said sort of like Mel uh, Mel Swift was really really engaging. He was talking to everybody, and so he was an absolutely fantastic guy. He was warm and open. He had a lot of time for all the all the questions, no matter how um, silly they were. Or many times he heard the question before. You know, he was he was wonderful with them. Yeah. Um, but they said, but Griff Reese Jones, they said, was a little bit more sort of standoffish, a bit more not standoff, not not prickly, but he wasn't quite as engaging. <laughs> kind of thing, yeah. But I think that's just his personality. There were, there were two completely well, different I, personalities, weren't they? But it worked. They just gelled. When I spoke to Griff, to be fair to him, he gave me longer than he needed to in terms of yeah. Um, and a great guy and a great raconteur. But there was yeah. very little small talk at the beginning or the end. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, that's that's great. I mean, that that's that's a real bow out of the blue. That choice there. Um, because I'd, I'd I'd forgotten all about that to be honest. They, that they, their Christmas special with the the uh, with the video thing. So uh, that's that's a that's a really good one. So um, my first variety stroke comedy choice. It's a bit of an obvious. Well, not a bit of an obvious one. It's a it's a massively obvious one actually. Um, now in the seventies, the big Christmas Day draw was Morecambe and Wise. Yeah, and I've picked the 
the one I think everyone would have gone for, it's, it's fairly obvious, it's the 1971 um, Morecambe Wise Christmas show, which had which is the one with Andre Previn. Oh, God. Right. As well. And Shirley Bassey. Okay. Um, but I think a lot of people do forget that also it also had uh, Glenda Jackson. Yes. In it as well. But it's not the Cleopatra sketch. Oh, okay. Okay. Because that was before. That was that was actually just during one of their normal shows. See, I, I, I Morecambe and Wise is a bit of a blind spot for me. I yeah, I, you know they were on TVNZ when I was a kid. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, and I do really admire and enjoy Eric Morecambe's performance. You know, on the shows that I've seen and that, but yeah. Yeah, I've never been a huge fan, so I'm not. I'm really not as sort of um, aware of the history, if you like. Yeah, I think it was because they, they. I suppose you could say they had sort of two sort of goes at it, really, because they're, they're they're ATV shows, um, which were written by all oh, Dick Hills and I can't remember the other guys. Well, well, hang on, wasn't it Running Wild in the fifties that? Was a disaster. Was that what it, it was? An absolute disaster. Yeah, yeah it was that fake. Because then Eric Morgan, he kept that press cut in his wallet. Oh, yes. So the television, the coffin that they buried Morgan yes, Wise that's in. Right. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That's that's really damning, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, but it. So they had like different sort of goes at it. Whereas ATV was a, a different act to a certain degree. And the funny thing was the, the Andre Previn sketch was was originally done on one of their ATV shows. Um, and when they moved from the BBC to Thames Television, and I think it was it 1979, I think it was, because um, 78 was their last Christmas show for the BBC, um, a lot of the Eddie Braben couldn't go with them. He was still contracted to the BBC, so I think Barry Cryer wrote a lot of stuff, and John Junkin wrote a lot of stuff for Morecambe Wise, but they recycled a lot of sketches as well. Yeah. But they were doing that previously anyway, so it wasn't an unknown thing for them to, to recycle material, maybe sort of update it or sort of jazz it up a little bit. And they certainly did with the um, the Andre Previn um, sketch, which I still enjoy watching. doesn't matter how many times I've seen it. Um, I, I just enjoy watching it. Yep. And and I think the thing for me, and it's what I liked about, another thing I liked about the, the Goon Show um, as well, it's the fact that the, the band gets in on the mm. act as well. Oh, They're laughing along with it. And totally. it's the same with this sketch as well, yeah. isn't it? The, the band are in on the joke. Um, especially seeing this very um, sort of famous and sort of stuffy conductor um, having the piss taken out of him. But he goes along with it. Well, which is am I right in thinking know, that, from memory, hadn't he flown in from somewhere and, and he had like a couple of hours, if that, to rehearse? Yes, straight from the right up to the studio, and yeah, well, that's the thing because Morecambe Wise used to re- rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. Yeah, and I think it, it's been said that Eric Morecambe was really nervous about this fact because he thought, "Oh, this, this isn't going to work." Yeah, and it's that one line. He says, "I'll go and get my bat on." It's in Chicago, and he goes to and and, and that's when Eric Morecambe. Oh, pow! He's in. I like him, <laughs> and that that was yeah. So that that was that was it. Okay, he felt okay. He's up to the challenge, and he was. I mean, he's he's. I think Previn's absolutely marvellous um, in this, as is Shirley Bassey as well. She's made this, this glamorous songstress who sings Bond theme tunes. I mean, in this episode, she sings Dumbs Are Forever, which was out in this particular year, 1971. Um, but she walks off the stage wearing army boots. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so... Um, 
Yeah, so you've got Glenda Jackson. She does a song and dance uh, with, with, with um, Eric and Ernie um, as well. I think you've also got you've got Francis Matthews. Um, oh yeah, does the Ernie's play what I wrote at the end? It's a Robin Hood sketch, um, and it's got one of those things. I they do this quite often. They'll be doing a a sketch. And Eric Morgan would turn and see the camera, and he just turn around and just sort of just stand there grinning at the camera. Then. One of the other people in, in the sketch would turn and see it, and they start grinning. But they end up the entire cast we stand just grinning at the camera. So that the whole thing was, and I don't know why this makes me laugh for some reason. They all got silly grins on their faces. The thing, and, yeah, Oops. yeah, and it's it's almost like a Milligan sort of thing. You know, um, the Phantom Raspberry Blower. There's a bit in there that is, where they're, they're with sort the ginger-haired of, policeman. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's it's exactly like that. Yes. Um, you know, and it's those weird sort of. Non sequiturs, really. I find really funny. Uh, I, as I say, I, I was never that um, immersed in the world of Morecambe and Wise when I was a kid. And what I did see on TVNZ, and subsequently coming over here, that I, I used to love, was the end when you'd have Eric saying, "Right, I'll, I'm off now," or something, and yeah. Ernie would stay on and maybe have like a, a little song and dance routine with one of the guests. And then you'd see Eric in the background with his, his overcoat on <laughs> and his flat cap. His over, flat cap and that brown paper bag. That's right. Sort of looking askance <laughs> in the background. <laughs> that used to kill me every time. <laughs> well, there's another little sketch where they're both dressed up as turkeys. Right. Um, and it's not a particularly funny sketch, but it's Eric Malcolm doing an impression of a turkey, um, which just it just cracks me up for some reason. I, I really don't, I really don't know why. It's just it's just silly. Yeah. And I think that's what I that's what I like about it. It's it's just really really silly. Yes. Um, but I say it's quite a you know it's quite a, an obvious one to pick really. But I mean, if you grew up in the seventies. That was the big draw for Christmas Day. When they they get like eighteen million viewers, would sit down and watch the well, wasn't it? The Morgan was, was, Christmas was, show twenty six million or something like that. Ridiculous for seventy seven or something was, was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. Um, I think there was one year in particular they didn't do a series. They put all their efforts into the um, into the Christmas show. Yeah. Um, just because it was such a, a massive success. Um, and I suppose you could say there was sort of like, the they sort of set the template for other things as well. And it is sort of, I mean, I was sort of umming and ahhing whether to include a two Ronnies Christmas special, but they actually ever did four. Hmm. And all those years they were going. And the first one, it was the, an old-fashioned Christmas mystery, I think it was called. Um, and it's a very big, lavish affair. Um but it's not particularly funny. It's almost done like a play. I don't know if you... It's, you th- I, you, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. Sometimes it's been repeated th- on television. Have you seen it? It's been repeated no, I, on I, um, I, UK Gold and things like that now and again. I don't, but I know... I would almost say this about, from what I've seen of Morecambe and Wise sometimes, sometimes hmm. you think the budget has gone into the the set and the guests and they've yeah. forgotten the jokes. <laughs> I'd say that yes. to Ronnie's occasionally, some of the... yeah the big set piece scenes and sketches oh god yeah i mean i'm not again we're we'll going off topic here but if you if you watch the the early couple of series i think probably up until about 1975 really when the, the phantom raspberry blow and all that yeah. um 
the first few series when you had people like Terry Jones and Michael Payne, Eric Idle, I think even John Cleese submitted some stuff as well at some point, you know, writing yeah. for them. Um, some of the stuff on there, it was quite um, scathing and something in place, a little bit surreal. Mm. And I think they that worked really well. It's before they got in more into the a set format, what everyone remembers them for. You get the news bit, you get Ronnie Corbett telling the joke, you get Ron, Ronnie Barker doing his monologue, um, you get the 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 the, the serial and, uh, uh, and things and, like and, that, and of course Barbara you know. Dixon, of course, and 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 and, and Elaine Page, that's right, actually. And, and and Phil Collins as well. What? <laughs> What? Phil Collins was on one series. Was he? And he even took part... Yeah, he took part in um, some of the sketches. They, they, did, they did a sketch with... They played a couple of um, tramps sitting by a... Um, oh, what was it? Like a, 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 a gate to a field. Yeah. And Phil Collins appeared in one of them as, a, as another tramp. I never knew that. Yeah, that's it's one of the later sort of like the sort of early eighties. Oh, when when he was series. a star yeah. before he was when he was a star yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but one series they even had Pan's people were the get. It wasn't um, singers. It was Pan's people doing a routine each week. All right. Okay. Yeah. So that that really is uh, something, something from the seventies right there. But uh, anyway. Um, We've 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 done only forty minutes, Tyler. We've only got onto our second choice. Jeez. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so let, let's have another. Uh, let's have another um, sort of sort of Christmassy variety um, sort of comedy thing. So, what's what's your next choice there? Okay. Well, <clears throat> um, this I had to, uh, most of these I've not rewatched because they are sort of as I say, you know, they are dear to me i remember them fondly i don't need to rewatch them yeah you know but i did rewatch this knowing i was going to be talking to you phil okay. um 1998 christmas day mm-hmm. now i'd only been with my girlfriend now wife for mm-hmm. um maybe 18 months mm, okay yeah okay maybe yeah. that if that Okay, up to that point. And we were saving up. We weren't married. We were saving up to buy a house. And I was staying. I was living with her parents. Um, we were both living with her parents, basically, to save <laughs> yeah, money. Yeah. You know, quite common sort of setup um, back then. And her parents, you know, <laughs> loved them to bits. Um, you know, they, they, they were very sort of, shall we say, you know, quite sort of uh, vanilla in their uh, taste when it came to um, light entertainment and comedy, shall we say. Um, yeah, yeah. Christmas night, 1998. And I managed to sort of persuade them to watch Men Behaving Badly, the Christmas special. Oh. Do you remember okay. that? They yeah no, oh was this the one where they were trying to have a baby a, a baby yeah yeah it was a th- it was a, it was a three part well technically a three part special so it was on the first episode was Christmas night I think Boxing yeah. Day the next one and then twenty the twenty twenty eighth or something like that yeah the third part but the the Christmas night opener. Of this man yeah. behaving badly special 
<laughs> the whole plot was basically Gary and Dorothy, or Dorothy more than Gary, they want to have a baby. And mm. Gary's struggling somewhat to um, uh, come up with the goods in terms of yes. you know, perform. And so he, there's various uh, uh, sort of uh, tricks that he employs to try and remedy the situation, including uh, hiring uh, pornography. And yep. um, and there's there's a there's a very famous scene at one point where um, Dorothy has a tissue stuck to her cheek. That was what I was about to say. Um, That's the bit everyone remembers. Yeah. They said that was unsuitable viewing for Christmas night. And, and I watched that <laughs> with my then girlfriend's parents. Yeah. Now my in-laws. With, I just I just remember thinking, I want this to end. Stop. Just just end now. End end now, please. <laughs> You know, cheeks ablaze. Oh. I think. <laughs> oh, were, were, there, were there any comments made? Because if it was um, my mother and father, you, you, you just get um, little, little sort of I gr- sort of grumpy like that sort of like, like we don't want to watch this. I think kind of thing. I want to say that my now mother-in-law probably would have, knowing what she's like, she probably would have said <laughs> something along the lines of, "Well, there's no need for that." Yes, you know. Yeah, that that sounds like a <laughs> yeah, a, a mother type thing to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not even sure that I've ever seen the show before. Anyway, you know what I mean. So it wasn't like <laughs> Only Fools and Horses goes blue, you know, because they were familiar with those characters. Uh, yeah, possibly yeah. it was the first time they'd seen Man Baby Badly. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> wasn't that the um. That was sort of like signify the end of men behaving badly. Yes. Because it didn't have a little bit of um, a time jump. Because was it, wasn't it? Um, oh, Neil Morrissey's character and Leslie Ash's character were, were living together or married as well. And he became he became a postman, became really boring, didn't he? Yeah, now, yeah, I'm not sure. Because I rewatched Dorothy, the Christmas Day. Because the bit where they both got pissed and then Dorothy was trying to give birth. Right. Here's the thing. I watched the Christmas Day episode. Yeah. The other night and the Boxing Day one, which was when they go away, they stay in like a seaside boarding house um, mm. for reasons, <laughs> which isn't that great to be honest. I didn't watch the yeah. third episode. I didn't rewatch the third episode, so I do I do remember what you're saying, but I I didn't watch it for the purpose. I just it was the Christmas Day episode that I wanted to make sure that I make sure yeah with revisited the with, face, with yeah. all the, the <laughs> concomitant. Sort of um, feelings of uh, dread and <laughs> embarrassment. Embarrassment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now the the reason that that last episode sticks in my mind because they he was talking about because um, he's worked as a postman and a, a, one of my best mates is a postman. Yeah, and they've all got nicknames at the post office, and the weird thing is the nickname they gave Tony in Men Behaving Badly, um, and ironically my friend's name is Tony. Um, as well, and they're both called Plank or Planky, <laughs> right? As in, thi- th- as in thick as two short. <laughs> so, <coughs> so yeah, the, the, it was of like this was sort of like art imitating life here when I first saw that. That was amazing. <laughs> I, I, I did. I loved that series. I mean, it, I would never say it was my one of my favourite top five, even top ten sitcoms, but. Yeah. There's a lot of chemistry between Clunes and Morrissey. You never got that yeah. with Clunes and Enfield. 
No. No, because that was um, yeah, I, I watched that was on ITV as well. That That's first right, series yeah. of Harry Enfield, and it di- yeah, it didn't really, it didn't really work for me actually. And I think to be honest, it only really came into its own when it moved to the BBC because they put it out after after the watershed as well, which yes. I think helped. Because I think on ITV it was about eight or eight thirty, I seem to recall. Yeah, which is a weird, a weird time to put that kind of a comedy on. I was thought. It wasn't sort of like duty free, was it? They always got well, that it, similar sort of no, time but it was slot it, on ITV, it, it kind of opened that floodgate to subsequent shows like, oh god, um, Game On. Do you remember Game On? Uh, I used to like that back. You, oh, I don't think I could watch it now, actually. Oh, and um, and a few years later, um, um, what was it? Um, two pints of lager and a packet of crisps. I thought that was. Um, Utter crap! Yes. Actually, that once, yes. yeah, I never did get the appeal of that. Really didn't. That, but, that so. kind of and 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 Babes in the Wood with Denise Van Oten and uh, oh, god, yeah, yeah, that's a kind of kind of a, lad laddish ladism ladette mm, comedy that that loaded, yeah, which was uh, which was yeah very big in that mid nineties, mid to late nineties, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my, my second choice <clears throat> is also from the mid to late nineties. This was um, on show on Christmas Eve. Okay. 1996. Yep. And it's the Christmas episode of Father Ted. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Um, which is one of my, <laughs> not just one of my favourite Christmas sort of related shows, it's one of my favourite episodes or comedy episodes full stop. Yeah. I, I think it's an absolute masterpiece from beginning to end. This one. It, 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 I think it's it's wonderful. Stuck in the lingerie and again, department. I never get... Oh God! <laughs> Do you know what I? I did. Um, I was in. I was shopping with the wife and kids, and I think they all went to the. We were in um, Marks and Spencers in Bromley, and where the toilets are, it's now in the middle of the, of the lingerie department. So whilst they they were in there, I took a a, a selfie. <laughs> Standing in front of a load of a row of knickers and bras with a gormous look on my face, like a little bit of shock, and I post up saying it's, it's Bromley's biggest laundry round department. I understand. So, <laughs> so, so, so yeah, so it's um, yeah, it, it's um, it's endlessly quotable. This one um, as well, and uh, I think the whole thing about the the gold the golden clerical walls, which Ted just uses as an excuse to get back at people yeah. that's that's fecked him off over the years, as he as he puts it. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's that oh, I, I think it's um, it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and I think um, the, the the guy who plays Father Todd Anxious um, as well. The, yes, I just like the whole this whole comedy of errors. They they're too embarrassed to ask him who the hell are you i don't remember you and that's the whole thing is built around that really isn't it um well, that's i mean i know it's irish but it still kind of qualifies it's that com- that british comedy of embarrassment and and you know cleese is a great exponent of of that that sort of farcical yeah. comedy of embarrassment and uh so so many sitcom episodes could be sort of wound up in 10 minutes if somebody just actually told everyone what was going on rather than trying to cover something up or it's, yeah, you know, rather yeah. than just trying to sort of like uh, not admit to what's actually happened or asking, why, that case who the hell of, are you? Why yeah, are you here? It, it's, it's just that case of digging an even bigger yeah. hole for himself at every opportunity. Yeah. Isn't it? 
Um, Basil, uh, Faulty Towers, um, the wedding episode. The, is it the wedding party? Is that the, the episode? It's the anniversary. Anniversary. Is it the, the anniversary? Yeah, when um, Sybil storms yeah, off. that could have been yeah. easy. If Basil had just come out at the beginning and said, look, we've had an argument. This has happened. Sorry, guys. Sorry, chaps. You know, these things happen. Yeah. <laughs> All sorted. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things, I, I was again we're going off topic again, but it's that there's a one line. It's one of the one of the uh, their friends. So they're all trying to go up and see Sybil, and the way and she gets fed up with Basil. And the way she just says, "I want to see Sybil," like that, and I don't know why it just makes me laugh. The way she looks at him as well. Yes, I know the one. And the way she says it. Yeah. Um, and that makes him back down. He makes Polly stuff loads of cotton wool in her cheeks and put yeah. one of his wife, uh, uh, Sybil's wigs on and <laughs> sit in the dark with sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the, the one thing I think people remember the most from A Christmassy Ted, to give it its proper title, mm. is Mrs. Doyle rattling off the list of names, trying to guess what Todd Unctuous's name oh, actually is. is. Absolutely. Yeah. Top I ball. mean, yeah. It, it really is. I mean, it starts off with, and I've got them here, actually. <laughs> Go I've, I've got the list here. Yeah. Um, so it starts off quite easily, actually, with Father, Father Andy Riley. Um, now, wasn't well, Andy Riley recently a guest on Goonpod? Um, this week, yes. <laughs> yes, indeed, yeah. Um, um, I, um, do you know what? I've, I didn't place that. I, If I'd thought of that, I'd have asked him, is that a... a is that you? Is that a yeah. tip of the hat to you, Andy? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, maybe it is. Maybe it is. But uh, so it goes to that. It goes to Father Neil Hannon, who used to who wrote the theme tune um, for um, for the you know, Divine Comedy. Then we get to the um, the ridiculous stuff like uh, Father Henry Big Bigging, um, Father my favourite Father Hiroshima Twinkie, <laughs> Father Stig Bubble Card, <laughs> um, <laughs> Father Chewy Louie, Father Heavy Cake Linehan, <laughs> um, Father Rabula Conundrum. Uh, Father Pee Wee Stairmaster, <laughs> Father Jemima Rackstall, Father Spodo Komodo, and before she gets a Todd Unctuous, it's uh, Father Canabranalama. <laughs> 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 but she says it a lot faster than that. But uh, oh god, I, I I just love listening to that because the way she just rattles them off really quickly. And I love to know how many takes it uh, took yeah. for her to do that. Um, yeah, and I think. Um, She's sort of underestimated, I think, actually, um, as as a, as a, in, in Father Ted. I really do. I, I the, think the character, I think she's, Paul, or Pauline McLean, or Pauline, Pauline, yeah, yeah. Pauline, uh, Pauline. I think she's really underrated in that because she doesn't really. When you watch them, she doesn't actually do a lot. She's not in a lot of the scenes, but when she does appear, she she makes her presence felt. Oh, yes, definitely. I I, so, I think I, I always think my favourite episode with her in. Is the one with is it Speed Three with Pat Mustard? Oh, yeah that that is that is wonderful <laughs> when she's got the makeup on. <laughs> I, I also like the one with um, the one with uh, I think the episode's called Night of the Nearly Living Dead mm. when she wins that competition yep. to meet that singer Owen McLove. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's that bit when she's standing in the. Um, in the shop and that other sort of like housekeeper they're looking at each other trying not to look at each other at the same time they're just looking and they look down and look up and look down and then that 
that other um, housecoat just glides across the floor <laughs> towards her. <laughs> but, oh, God, it's, it's absolutely amazing. I love it. Absolutely love it. But, uh, no, it's, I mean, I I must admit, I, I've got all these things on DVD, a lot, a lot of these things on DVD, and I will watch them each year. Knowing sort of like this is sort of the Christmas telly, and I will I will watch it. And, and, and the Christmassy Ted is always one of them. I always watch it. Um, I, I, I just think it's absolutely wonderful. Um, so yeah, it's um, and actually be shown on Christmas Eve as well, which is quite unusual. But I, I've forgotten how big Father Ted was for Channel Four back in the day. Well, it was huge. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and of course the um, thing everyone knows, which is so tragic, is that um, Dermot died the day after they wrapped on. Series three, didn't he? Yes, it's, it's horrible. Do you know what the other thing about this particular episode as well? It was the last episode of Father Ted to be broadcast during his lifetime. Oh, was it? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Because I think they used to show it every Christmas. Oh, yeah. Um, and then he died in February 98, didn't he? So, mm. um, yeah. I remember, so, I, remember yeah so, hearing, I remember where I was when I heard that. Yeah, it was because it was so unexpected, wasn't it? It's, it was. God. Do you know what? I, 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 the thing is, I don't know Dermot Morgan for anything else but Father no. Ted, unfortunately. I, 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 I don't know if he was a, um, a, a big star or, or, I gather or, he, or a he, comedian on the circuit. Yeah, he in, was. In, I think he was fairly well known on RT, you know, Irish t- television yeah, and, yeah. and the circuit, yeah. Yeah, so that's a shame, actually. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but, but, I mean, what a, what, a, what a legacy to leave behind, though. Oh. There's, there's not really yeah. a duff episode amongst them, is there? No, really? no, there's not. There really isn't. There really isn't. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too keen on the, the, was it the old grey whistle theft? <laughs> I'm not too keen on that. I don't know why. Oh, I, I don't know. I think um, um, Arthur Matthews gives um, an absolute masterclass in swearing, but not swearing. <laughs> in that, yeah. as well, fuck off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And he points to the no swearing. That was the Farmer the, Demo uh, episode, wasn't it? It was, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, it was the. But that again, that was all very much um, again the mid nineties thing. Because even at one point, Father Demo asked Dougal, "Who do you like, uh, Blur Oasis, or Oasis?" Yeah, yeah. yeah so that was very, all, all, very much in vogue at the time, wasn't it? But, yeah. uh, um, but anyway, so let's. So we, we've. So I think we've reached the afternoon now with with our choices here. So let's have another movie. So what's your what's your your second movie here, Tyler? <laughs> well, I've chosen this one because of the unique circumstances in which it was broadcast. Yeah. And because it is um it features characters who are very dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. But it is um de- demonstrably not a great film. But oh, okay. But it is a film that I kind of enjoy for all that. Yeah. Okay. And it is, <laughs> and it was shown, it was shown on Christmas. I think it was Christmas day, ITV 1980. It's the Georgia okay. Mildred movie. Oh my word. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't got a good reputation, Tyler. I've got to be honest. Um, no. So what, what, so, what, what why, well, why, why do you, what, what? Because okay, you're fancy about because, it. Right, okay. So, Phil, if a film yeah. is released into a cinema, yeah. how long before it turns up on BBC ITV? How many years, do you reckon? 
Well, um, considering the film I'm going to pick next, mm. um, the film I pick, it, it, it could be a decade before yeah. it even appears on the television. Yeah. But typically maybe, what, three years, four years? Three years, yeah, at tops mainly, okay, yeah. Okay, right. Yeah. In the case of the George and Mildred movie, what, three months? <laughs> oh, dear. Because so did it really tank at the box office well, that badly? <laughs> it didn't do great business. And, and of course, dear old Uther died as well. Yeah. Um, around this time. Um, and it was it was quickly sort of broadcast on, on ITV. Mm-hmm. Christmas, I think, as I say, I think it was Christmas Day. It was certainly Christmas Day, Boxing Day, possibly. Um, but... It uh, yeah it is it is considered the death now in those you know those sitcom spin-off movies of the 70s mm, it is yeah. considered to be like the 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 dying gasp of that genre. It didn't stop Cannon and Ball though, did it? Well, does that qualify that wasn't because they weren't sitcom that that was they weren't a sitcom. They were I don't but have you, have you seen the boys? Yes, of course I have. You're asking me. <laughs> Um, but it, that was a remake of um, Ask a Policeman, anyway. That was um, it, yeah, the Will Hay film, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But uh, you had the Rising Damp film, I think, before just before the Georgia Mildred movie, and I think the Georgia Mildred movie was more or less the last sitcom spin-off film, at least for a good few years. Yeah, um, and you can see why because it's it's pretty awful. But I love. The series, I love the TV series, and I love Man About the House from whose loins it sprang. That's probably mm, my, that's right. yeah, I would say probably Man About the House is probably my favorite British sitcom of all time, believe it or not. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, there's others that are close, in, you know, Blackadder, um, Father yeah. Ted, uh, a series I'm going to mention shortly. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, okay. But Man About the House, I absolutely love the everything about it—the acting, the writing, um, the scenarios, the, the everything, and the fact that it had. Well, Man About the House had technically at least four, maybe five spin-offs. Do you know this? Yeah, because you had Robin's Nest. Yeah. Uh. George and Mildred. Yeah. Did Roy Kinnear get one? No. As his character. Come on, his character. Jerry, no, no. Jerry, no. Okay. Um, ooh, no, I don't know. What were the others then? Okay. So, Over the Pond, you had Three's Company, which was huge. American oh, yes. remake. Yes. And and then the George and Mildred, the US George and Mildred, uh, which was called The Ropers. <laughs> Well, I'll be. Um, which me and friends have watched a few episodes and not great. <laughs> <laughs> but Johnny Mortimer and um, Brian uh, uh, Brian Cook. Cook, yeah. You know, th- they got paid for it all. They, you know, they they advised on these series. They So technically they were spinoffs of Man About the House. And the Man About the House universe... I think deserves a you know a, a book. I, I, one day I'll sit down and write it. I think, um, yeah, yeah. But now I love George and Mildred, and the film itself is 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 just a, a real rush job. It, it's it's got no there's no real sort of 
dramatic tension or uh, fine characterization. It's it's got um, Dudley Sutton as a house angel. Um, oh yes, it has, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> it's got Stratford Johns. Is it Stratford Johns? Yeah, I think. It's, it's, yeah, he plays the 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 sort of the gangster, doesn't yes. he? Mafia. Yeah, it's a soul guy. It's yeah. got. Yeah. Um, uh, Kenneth Cope as a hitman. It's got all sorts. As a hitman, yeah. Um, and and of course, it's it's one of those you know a case of mistaken identity, and George is embroiled in it, and uh, is completely gormless throughout. But I really, I, don't, I won't say it's a favourite film by any stretch, but it's comfort. It's comfort watching. You know, I'll watch it to just sort of just you know if you check your brain into. The you know the 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 the, the brain check in and um and just sit back and and uh, and enjoy well enjoys maybe too strong a word just kind of just <laughs> just you just lose yourself half, yeah 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 it's uh, no that's that's the thing I mean I, I mean I love some truly awful films um and as as not just by you know friends of mine just don't like them and think oh it's awful they're they aren't famously bad movies but i love watching them because i get a kick out of watching them uh, because they're so bad yeah um but again it's sort of like okay i I could just forget everything for an hour and a half or two hours whatever and just look at this ineptitude um sometimes it makes me feel better about myself because i didn't create this um but so i thought no so i just enjoy it for what it is they gave it a go some bits are good, some bits aren't, um, and a lot of the time performances will carry a movie like that. And I think Youtha Joyce was a fantastic oh, actress. She was a, a phenomenon. She was amazing. And, of course, both of them, both her and Brian Murphy, were part of the um, uh, Joan Littlewood Theatre Company. Yes, they were, weren't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, of course, people forget Brian Murphy was had a, quite a central role in um, Ken Russell's The Devils. In 1971, I think. I think it was 71, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know, and he... I, I think people just forget about... They they just get pigeonholed in these roles and that's it for everyone, isn't it? Yeah. They don't get cast anything else but that kind of that kind of role, really. But, uh, no, I mean, I, I love the Georgia Mildred, the the, um, the sitcom. Yes. Uh, you know, the Thames sitcom. So I remember watching that when I was, uh, when I was a kid. It always has been around at my nans for some reason. I've got a very sort of... Strong memories of watching it around at my nan's, um, George and Mildred. Yes. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, but no, she's brilliant. I mean, I think that was one of the I'm sort of come on to when my other sort of comedy shows talk about in a minute. I was struggling with work because I, I, I thought, should I include one of the um, Steptoe and Son Christmas? Oh, I, specials? Thought about, I, I thought about one of them, yeah, yeah. I, yeah um, I, I decided against it, um, in the end, but I just remembered like talking about Youth of Joyce because she was in what in the first Steptoe and Son film. Or well, the second one, sorry. Yes. Um, and it's that bit when Harold's in the in the the toilet with the insurance man played by Frank Thornton, mm. and he said, "Oh, there's another policy taken out." And he and at the precise moment, he says, "Is it legal? Of course, it's legal." Youth of Joyce opens the door, mm. and she just says, "Harold, find yourself a nice girl." <laughs> <laughs> and it was just that. It was that timing, the way she's the look on her face as well. Oh yeah, it was. It's such a cutting line. It was brilliant. But uh, she was no. That, she, that's was, a, she was slightly out of time. Youth of Joyce. She was slightly too old. She just kind of missed the boat to be a, a sort of sixties glamour puss because she could have been. In some, mm. if she'd been slightly younger and 
<sighs> the cards have been stacked slightly differently. She was never a great beauty, but there was something sexy about her, I would argue. Believe it or not. Yeah, she always um she she, she always gave that sort of that that, that man eater kind yeah. of performance, didn't she? I mean I think I mean that especially brought to the fore in things like George and Mill because George just wasn't interested, was he? Well he wasn't interested in her, but he had like a a, a, a quite healthy uh, collection of pornography up in the loft, of course. <laughs> um. <laughs> but what I liked about her character, even though she was sort of like come across a bit of a man-eater. I think she generally did love George. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's the thing. She, was, she wasn't she was sort of like, oh, he's not interested in me. I'll go and look elsewhere. She was always trying to get George to, to be interested in her somehow, you know, which I thought was quite a, it was quite a sweet relationship in a, in a strange way, George and Mildred. But, it was, uh, and, and I've said this before, one of my, someone said to me once, how would you describe, sorry about this shameless self-promotion here but how would you describe or what would you want a listener to Goompod how would you you know what what's the perfect listener to Goompod or something yeah. like that and I said it's someone it's someone who knows who Norman Ashley is okay ah yeah so Norman Ashley of course plays Jeffrey Formile Jeff- in yeah. George Meldred but the sort of person that listens to Goompod <clears throat> Probably should know who Norman Ashley is, is what I would say. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Because yeah. we talk about comedy of a certain age and a certain vintage and a certain era. Um, but it's not just the goons. It's 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 everything up until probably you know, the late 90s. But very much in, in that sort of 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, even into the 80s sort of uh, sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. It was quite a few things actually, Norman Ashley. Well, now we go way off topic here, but um, he was an episode of The Sweeney. He was. Yeah. Um, he played a serial killer in a series called Thriller in the early 70s. He played the Red Tie Killer um, in that. He was also in Robin, uh, not Robin, uh, Man About the House. He wasn't was Robin's he? brother. Yes. Yeah. Played a completely different character. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So well, he, he was two characters, things, I think, in Man He was Robin's brother at the end yeah. and ended up marrying. Chrissy, but he was also, yeah. oh God, I can't think now. He was in an earlier episode playing a different character. Um, yeah, so, well, that's the thing because things were never repeated back then, so yeah. it didn't matter if they just reused actors that's in different right. roles. Yeah, yeah, no, nobody could remember. Yeah, it's only in this, in this modern digital age that we all, <laughs> yeah, oh, you were in this, but yeah, so, um, no, okay, that's 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 a, that is a George Mildred film that is an interesting choice. That's an interesting choice. Mm. So, um, so my Second movie choice of the day. Um, it's Where Eagles Dare. Oh, wonderful film. Yes. Um, a film I will... I've actually done a um, a podcast on this already, actually. It's one of my all-time favourite films. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what time of the day it's on or at what point I switch over to see it, whether it's at the middle of it or at the end... I will sit through and watch it right to the the credits roll. I I it, it I just absolutely adore this movie. It's one of the best war films. It's one of the best action films. Um, I think it's the best film. One of my favourite Clint Eastwood films. Actually, um, he's not really the the star of it. It's Richard Burton who's really the hmm. uh, the star of the show. But um, fair, fair. oh god, I absolutely love it. Phil, I got four words. Yeah, broadsword calling Danny Boy. 
everybody knows that, don't yeah. they? I think if you if you say those words, yeah. you know they know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And it's yeah. got Darren yeah. Nesbitt, who I love, as the Gestapo officer. Yeah, with the blonde. Um, with yeah, with the, the blonde, blonde hair, hair, the blonde, and the, yeah. the slightly the sort of um, Thunderbirds face. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes, he's got quite a big. Yeah, he has got that that Jerry Anderson puppet bottom lip, doesn't he? Doesn't he? Yeah, and he's yeah, still Major working happened. to this yeah. day. Do you know that? Yes, he's still going. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think the last time I saw on television, it was actually on um, Talking Pictures. It's one of their. They do like a, an annual sort of um, sort of convention kind of thing, and he was one of the guests. Do, do you know? Do there, you know what? Actually. Do you know what I found about Darren? I mean, I've, I've admired Darren Nesbitt over the years. I didn't realize I. <laughs> Used to work thirty years ago. I worked for Our Price Records, the record shop. Okay, right? yeah, yeah. Do you know Darren Nesbitt? And I think his brother set that up originally. Oh. Our Price, the record shop. I think I'm right in saying that. Listeners <laughs> who know these things might be shouting at their <laughs> um, at their uh, uh, <laughs> whatever pod. Catcher of choice. I was, was shouting at the radios. I was, was going to say, say wireless. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but I'm sure. I'm sure I picked up somewhere or read somewhere that Darren Nesbitt began our price. Um, well, I'll be. Yeah. There you go. Well, that's a nice little bit of uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit of trivia there for you. Mm. But um, no, because the thing is, I actually, as I said, we were saying about um, how long did it take for a film to go from the cinema to the, yeah. to the television. So, um, so Where Eagles Dare was released um, in December 1968. And its television premiere in the UK was Boxing Day 1979. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So quite a, I don't know why there was such a, um, such a gap, but I think it kept being re-released in the cinema. Right. Which I think what, what, what kept it off the television. Uh, for, for 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 a number of years, but um, and the thing the thing about the thing that film in, the thing about that film though that still it still surprises me every time I watch it, mm. and it shouldn't. There's a there's a massive twist, or you're wrong footed as a viewer about yeah. halfway through the film. I want to say, without spoiling anything. Um, mm. You think somebody? Uh, well, I won't go into detail, but there's a, there's a, you know, you know the scene I'm talking about. Um, with, the scene around the table. Yes. yes, yes, yeah. And it still surprises me, no matter how many times I've. <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's that's what I love about because it, it's such a for that kind of a movie. And and I must admit, I've never read any of the Alistair MacLean. Oh, they're brilliant! Um, I've read so many of them. Yeah. Have you read? Yes. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I understand the, the, the this Satan takes bug. a few liberties. Can I just with say, the, the, the Satan book? Bug yes. is a great book of his to read. Uh, that's been turned to a film as well. It's an it? awesome film, bug. but yeah. Sorry, yeah, no, I, I talked to No, that's all right, Karen. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think a few liberties, as I understand it, were taken um, between you know, the book and the movie. But but it's just such a... Um, it's, it was like a spy thriller. Um, it's action. It's a war movie. There's twists and turns. You don't know who you can trust. Um, I mean, right up to the very end, you know, yes. they're, 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 re- they're revealing, you know, double agents and, and, and God knows what. Um, 
I think it's absolutely marvellous. And, it, and it's one of those you, you films you would say, um, a rollicking good adventure. Yes. and I've, Which is what it is, really. I've never um, watched it in HD. I've got it on DVD, but it's not HD. How yeah. does the cable car kind of fight sort of thing stand up in HD? Because I imagine it wouldn't. You know, so well, many... do you know what? Do you know what? It's not a film I actually own. <gasps> Right, and for the reason being, because it's on the telly so much, <laughs> it's always on ITV. Oh, sorry, just not be phone there. Um, ITV three or ITV four. It's always on, so I'm always able to watch it anytime I like. Fair really, enough. yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, I thought the 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 cable car fight was quite gruesome. Actually, I mean, one guy gets a was it um, Peter Butworth gets a, a, a nice pick to the arm. Um, I mean, Donald Houston gets a boot in the face and yes. falls to his death. Yes. I mean, it's um, it's quite bloody, actually. It, it, um, it is. Over a film of its time it, as well. Absolutely. But you know what I'm saying? Because obviously the stuntmen performing. When, yeah. And when you've got like a, a crisp Blu-ray uh, transfer, you can... Yeah, everything you can, shows, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it can. Um, yeah, it can sort of uh, ruin ruin the the, uh, the illusion sometimes, can't yeah. it? Yeah, but uh, no. Things I, I obviously some some things you know it's a, a stump person doing it, and I think you just sort of have to suspend Absolutely. your your belief yep. for a while, don't Absolutely. you? Really, and just and just roll with it. Yeah, I think a lot of the time. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I told this story um, when I when I featured this as part of the Who's He at the movies um, strand. And um, as I say, I first I say I didn't actually see this on on Boxing Day. We were at my grandparents on, on my mother's side, and I think when, after this film was on, it was Dave Allen at Large. Okay, was on, and so they switched on, and my whole family watched Dave, and I was lucky enough to go and see Dave Allen live in about nineteen ninety one. And then, and stand next to Peter Cook and his wife in the bar at the, the, the interval as well. Um, what Lynn? So that that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's that's my claim to fame. Wow. But uh, yeah. Um, but anyway. Um, so anyway, we switched on. And it's the bit, the end scene when they're in the plane. They've taken off. Yeah. They're escaping, and that's when you find out who the final traitor is, basically. Yes. So he switched on at that, at, at that point, and it's always stuck with me. My my dad just said, "No, my dad's never. never I've never known him to." Talk about ever going to, to the to the cinema to see anything, but he kept going on about where Eagles Dare, and he kept oh it's on the telly later on where Eagles Dare, and he sort of get you know really excited about it being on. We never actually got to watch it. Um, when we come to that, we switched it on the bit bit in the plane, and my dad sits, goes up oh, there they are, like it's sort of like you just seen some old friends or something. <laughs> I don't know. To this day, he doesn't remember saying it, but it's one of those things that's just remained in my memory. For the last, you know, forty odd years, yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's just sort of like, and that I think is really sort. Of, that's why I've had this bit of a connection with War Eagles there because it was my dad built it up. We didn't actually get to see it. He made that comment, which made me want to see it even more afterwards. Um, and I just think it's a it's a great sort of Christmas afternoon it is. action I'm trying movie. To think who's the actor? Who's the character? Because there's one when mm. they originally when they initially drop from the plane when they parachute yeah. there's one character that is killed 
Is it Percy yeah. Herbert's character? Do you know? Percy No, no, Percy Herbert's not in this film, actually. It's, um, Who is it then? It was Neil McCarthy. Neil McCarthy. I always get those mixed up. Yeah. Because yeah. he was also in the George and Mildred movie. Ah, and he was also in the Steptoe and Son film yes. that had Youth Joyce's. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Neil McCarthy was one of Stratford John's goons, henchmen. Ah, okay. In the Georgia Milford movie, we, do we just do we just play like the seven seven steps to Kevin Bacon? Seven steps to Neil McCarthy yeah. here, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's a new game, fun for all the family. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wonderful, wonderful. So, oh, that's oh, that's a. No, 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 I love these little bits of trivia that keep popping yes. up. <laughs> Brilliant. So, um, let's move on. Let's move. That's our Sunday afternoon or Sunday afternoon, our Christmas afternoon films. So. Um, What's your third and final sort of comedy or variety choice? Okay, it is um, One Foot in the Grave. Okay. Christmas Day, 995. Wisdom of the Witch. Do you know this? Right. Now, I've seen them all, but I can't... Okay. Oh, is is that the one that starts off with Victor's wife in the graveyard? Yes, it is. Yes, because cousin Ursula has passed away, yeah. and Victor has to go to her house in the middle of nowhere and and yeah. clear it out. And it's during a, a snowstorm. Um, and meanwhile, Patrick, who has got Patrick next door, Angus Dayton, who mm-hmm. is, there's no love lost between him and Victor. Um, he's being um threatened by uh phil daniels character that's right who yes that yes. he thinks that patrick is having it off with his girlfriend yeah um and for various reasons uh dayton ends up uh stuck in this house out in the middle of uh god knows where the countryside in a snowstorm with no telephone lines or electricity with Victor Meldrew. They're sort of stuck together mm. and um, they have to try and make the best of it. And um, the problem is that uh, great aunt Ursula, who's recently departed this, this uh, veil of tears, um, she has a pet tarantula called uh, Edwin, I think from memory. <laughs> and unfortunately, um, well, tarantula, large spider, um, but unfortunately, um, um, Patrick is um, suffers from crippling arachnophobia. <sighs> There's only heating in this place. I think I was warmer in the... Bl- oh, God. What is it? Uh, behind you. Sorry? Uh, on the wall behind you, Mr. Meldrew. What? You mean this painting of a... Sp- Don't even say the word. <laughs> what? P- please. What? Spider! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. It's one of Ursula's wildlife studies. She was always into natural history. And, of course, he was a great outdoors man. Fishing, rock climbing, mountaineering. Are you all right? I can't look at them. I'm sorry. I can't even think about them. It's been the same all my life. Oh, dear. <laughs> but uh, do you mean, uh, like in that film, arachnophobia? <laughs> Did you ever see that? <laughs> yes. I'm hardly... Li- 
I'm hardly likely to suffering from a pathological fear of spiders to have gone to see a film called Arachnophobia. <laughs> I'm like Mr. Noldu, any more than a man with hay fever would stuff a dandelion up his nose. And um, and the comedy shoes, and yes. um, and it ends up there's there's quite a dramatic ending to this. Um, yes, and there not, is. Not going to spoil yeah. it because it's a great great no, episode. No, um, all I will say, I remember watching that. At the time, I was living, I was still living at, at, at my parents, are living at, at home, yeah. as we say. Um, and we're all sitting around. There was, there was myself, my mum, my mum and dad, and, and my sister watching it. And at the end, my sister and my mum were bawling their eyes out. Yeah. Yeah. You because, think, yeah. You yeah. think, yeah, yeah. We're not going to spoil no. it. <laughs> In case you haven't seen it out there. Um, yeah, they, yeah, they were really, I mean, literally sort of like, sobbing you know because they thought something had happened yes yeah um again that is such a i mean again this is david Renwick again isn't it really is what what a thing to do for um christmas day viewing is all that comedy and then it ends like that quite very dramatic well the thing is my favorite episode of one foot in the grave Mm. Which also was a Christmas special, but I chose not to not not to choose that this time. Is the man who mm. blew away, which features a character who commits suicide towards the end. Okay, and that's Brian and Murphy. That's Brian isn't Murphy. It? <laughs> yes, <laughs> and that's the reason I didn't choose it because I thought, oh God, we've talked about Georgia Mildred, I, another Brian Murphy. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, um, unfortunately, he commits suicide, but. But it does end on a relatively upbeat kind of ending, if you like, as yes, does yes. this episode. Um, it you know it it ends upbeat. It you, you it there's a very dramatic sort of uh, not denouement, I suppose. But um, yeah, it, it's it's even because it, it it goes back to. Um, Oh, I've forgotten the, the um, Annette Crosby in the graveyard yeah. again, and you see what's written on the yes. headstone. Yes, yes, and that's what made, and that I think that's what makes you think, oh, Christ, you know, and then then you get the switch, absolutely, and it, as you say, it ends upbeat. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's uh, oh, blimey, I haven't seen. I'm, it's a long time since I last seen that one. It it really is. But it, it was a cracker. I remember, as you've been talking about, I remember all those things, and it's an absolute cracker of an and episode. Of course, it really is. There's the very funny scene. So Victor's, obviously Victor's prematurely retired, and he's trying to find jobs. And uh, yeah, he gets this job in a field, a farmer's field. A farmer's paid him, I don't know how much, 50 quid, to mm. try and find his wedding ring. He, the farmer's dropped his wedding ring in this field and he's paid Victor to see if he can find uh, This is from memory. I think this is how it goes. All right. Okay. Um, so Victor's like going up and down, up and down in this field, looking for this wedding ring. And he's been doing it for like three days, I think. <laughs> and I think a postman pulls up alongside, alongside the field and shouts out, Oh, you're... You're the third mug or something like that. And he said, Victor says, what do you mean? He said, has he told you he's lost his wedding ring? He says, Victor says, yes. He says, no, <laughs> he just wants to use you as a scarecrow. 
I I love those surreal <laughs> situations. Um, David Renwick put Victor Mildrew in. I mean, it, it couldn't happen to any other character, really, could it? No, and and that sort. Uh, and oh, I've, I've interviewed Renwick, and um, yes, yes, exactly, um, yeah. And he and I both, well, obviously, he agrees. Victor is painted unfairly as a grump, as a, a, a misery guts, and he's not really. He's no. quite. He's quite positive. He's quite upbeat, generally speaking. Or at least he's you know he's not he he doesn't uh, he he doesn't embark upon a course of action with a sort of negative mindset. He he he's often you know positive thinking about things, but it's just sort of events conspire against him and <laughs> spiral out of control very often. Out of control, yeah. precisely. Yeah, yeah. That's what I um yeah it's um yeah I I've. It's funny actually watching the, those earlier episodes of One Foot in the Grave and where it ended up, really. Um, I think it was quite a good bit of sort of character progression in a funny way because it starts with, with with him retiring and trying to find other jobs to sort of keep himself going, as a lot of people do when they retire. It's quite you know it's very it's very true to life. Um, but then it just sort of like he just sort of then it sort of turned into Victor sort of stopped doing that. It wasn't quite embracing retirement but it was more a case of well he was just things were just happening to him which he had absolutely no yes. control over yeah he just got exasperated with it and i think that's a um sort of a, a well it's, it's like a classic sitcom character really they they get exasperated by the things that happen around yes. them the, 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 rather the, than actually the catalyst they're for mildly it, pompous you know I mean. like like yeah captain mannering like uh hancock of course yeah um yeah it's that great tradition of yeah they 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 get exasperated by life or life is <laughs> forever dealing them a low blow and <laughs> exactly it's how exactly. they react to it. So um, well, well, well let's let's go from sort of the, the pompous to the pathetic okay. now actually because um, my third and final sort of comedy choice is it's an actual Christmas themed episode that wasn't actually shown at Christmas. Um, it's Bottom and Holy. Oh, God. Which was... Now, do you, do you know when this was first broadcast? And, and it is a, a christmas thing. Yeah, no, I episode. think I do, because I... You know what? I never thought of this one, because I love Bottom so much. In fact, it is in my top ten of sitcoms. Um, I yep. want to say, I wanna so say I it was something like June or July. <laughs> was it? <laughs> not, not as early as that. It was actually October, October. 1992. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which is a very strange thing to time to put a, a Christmas theme episode on. But um, okay, so so when was the I, Halloween episode of Bottom? Was that in October or do you know? Oh, I don't know actually. I don't know. I, I bet you it wasn't. No, it probably wasn't. It was I probably bet, Christmas Day. Probably wasn't. Probably yeah. was. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with that. It, it works in our mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I mean, there's things in this I still quote. Yeah. Now and it makes my kids scratch their heads, like you know, like with with when Richie comes into Eddie's bedroom at the beginning, doing as Father Christmas, going ho ho ho, and I I do that to the kids, and they just look at me, what the hell are you on about, <laughs> you know? Uh, or or, and I mean, I'm like a stuck record, really. It's sort of I'm I'm probably a bit like Richie, really, but um, when it get every Christmas day morning, when it gets to half past eight. 
I will say half past eight and all's crap. <laughs> I just drive people bloody nuts with it. <laughs> but <laughs> but I I just think it is such a it's almost like an anti Christmas special this one because it is they both hate each other. <laughs> well, you say that right. They well, need each other. It, they on the need surface, each it's on other. the sur- they need each other exactly. This is this is hatred. I mean, Eddie's always trying to. I mean, even at the beginning, um, with 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 Eddie's trap <laughs> in his bedroom as well. He's suspending that dentist chair <laughs> as a counterweight. <laughs> it's Wally Coyote stuff. The isn't thing it? is, they <laughs> need each other because because Eddie needs a roof to live under. Yeah, and yeah, and Richie's aunt owns the flat. So Richie's not yep. pay, paying rent, and Eddie, by extension, is not paying rent. And <laughs> Richie's so needy, he needs someone as a friend, and Eddie's the only one that he can really call a friend. So they both need each yeah. other in the different ways, don't they? Exactly. And I, I like the fact he's really resentful of Eddie having other yes, friends. Dave Hedgehog and Spudgun. And, and Spudgun, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is... <laughs> It's the um, I mean the bit when they they do come round they they sort of like Christmas Day drinks yeah and spog and gags it what's this gravy <laughs> just the fact you serve up gravy as a drink for somebody because Eddie drank all the sherry <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it, again it wouldn't be then without a little bit of slaps that you get the bit where he cut chops his own finger off oh, um, yes as well which I think is 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 marvellous and Eddie trying to apply the tourniquet. Which is basically strangling him to stop the blood flow. Which is, is that? Now I, I get confused. Is that the episode that ends up with them in an ambulance? No, no that's um, that's the one where they go to the dating agency. Oh, it is, and and because it's got one of my favourite lines, incongruous lines ever, in bottom yeah. when they're in the ambulance at the end of the episode, and Eddie says something like, "This ambulance is a pretty colour." That just it doesn't mean anything. It just oh no, because be, he was on the gas and air. I know, but it's just like it's just this ambulance is a pretty colour. I just it's... I know. Well, I've, well, have you have you had the gas and air? Um, no. <laughs> it it does. Yeah, it does send you a bit woo-hoo. right. So I, th- I think that was it. It was the it was an after effect. It was almost like tripping <laughs> on the gas and air. I think I think that's where that's where it Fair came enough. from. But uh, yeah, but um, no, it's um, I think. It's the bit where the the baby is left on their doorstep. Of course, yes. Um, is it Mr. Harrison? Isn't it the uh, the landlord or the shopkeeper downstairs? Yes. Um, and these um, was, um, uh, Roger I Sloman, the, I think. Roger Sloman, yeah. yes, yeah. He's pitting the young ones as course, well, didn't yeah. he? Um, back in the day. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's one of the best bits of comedy <coughs> writing with the gold Frankenstein Girl. and girl. Yeah. Um, and the, and the three crowns and and the, the <laughs> and he's a virgin. virgin. It's just <laughs> oh, it's 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 absolutely brilliant. Um, but I think the whole thing about that is it's the audience picking up on the gag as well when they finally realise where it's all been leading uh, yeah. to. <clears throat> yes, it's 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 that patient build up for because they all present their their presents to the baby, and then Richie Sunny twigs. Gold Frankenstein and Gur, and you're all wearing crowns, <laughs> and I'm a virgin. So <laughs> you can have my Christmas present. It's a box of Terry's all gold. We'll have to wait for his little teeth to come through before he can manage the cherry ones. Oh. <laughs> yeah, look, 
He can have my Frankenstein mask. I was going to scare the shit out of Richie with later. <laughs> and you can have my bottle of aftershave. It's a new one. It's called... Grr. Gold, Frankenstein, and Gurr. And you're all wearing crowns. And I'm a virgin. It's absolutely it brilliant, but um, but it's funnily enough, it's uh, the only episode I can think of where it actually ends on a happy note for both of them, as the baby's mother's about to breastfeed. Yeah, yeah, but because mm. <laughs> it usually ends up with Richie getting punched in the yeah. face or his legs broken. Oh, but, but but that is um problematic now, really, isn't it? It is very problematic, but for I mean, <coughs> that's the thing they. I, I think maybe that's because I think before Rick Mayo died, I, I still miss Rick oh, Mayo. He's watching things like this. Yeah. I mean, I, I miss him so much. Um, it's the fact he wanted to write another series with Aid Edmondson, and Aid Edmondson, he didn't really want to, he, his heart wasn't in it. But it was really. going to be um, um, Hooligan's Island, wasn't it? It was going to be like. A, it was, yeah. yeah. Um, which I've seen the. So I've, I've been to see Bottom Live yeah. twice, the first and second tours. Yeah. Uh, at uh, Hammersmith Apollo. Uh, I never saw the Hooligans Island. Have you seen the, uh, the video or DVD of it? Though? I have, and I didn't think it was particularly I, good. I enjoy it. I mean, I I love the first two. Yeah. And I enjoyed that. Everything else, I think there was, what, two others after that, I think? Um, oh, yeah, there was the... Weapons grade, underpants or something. Underpants, yeah. that's it, yeah. Is that the one they were just in a yeah, nuclear that was bunker pretty... or something? Yeah, yeah, mm. that's not that's pretty dire, yeah. actually, that one. I'm sorry to say. Um, but yeah, I, I, I again, I, I love, I really love him. But he wasn't really. In, I think all the fart and knob gags and looking at, you know, well, it's basically Richie was. He was, he was pathetic. He was a pathetic individual who couldn't get laid. That's all he wanted to do was to, was to get laid. And then I don't. And again, as you say, you couldn't do that now. That kind of comedy just wouldn't wouldn't. Well, it wouldn't get made full stop. You know, not sort of number to watch it or get offended by it. I just don't think it would get made. Um, we could argue that Peep Show kind of had elements of that relationship or that, that dynamic. Um, I suppose it, it did, but it wasn't quite as... I say, as, as aggressive as, as no. Bottom was. I mean, the, I mean, the final scene of this, they're both looking... At a woman's breast, and she's about to undo her blouse. Yeah, yeah, and that's no, how it no. ends. That it freeze frames on that bit, doesn't it? Merry bloody Christmas. Yeah. Um, so it's that sort of thing. You no, just you, couldn't. No, you couldn't do that. But, it, but you couldn't do. Yeah, no. but you look at Peep Show. There's oh, I, I don't know. We we could talk about this for hours, I suppose. But we could debate this yeah. all night, couldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> people that say, "Oh, you couldn't make that today," well. Maybe not, but they still show Blazing Saddles on BBC Four regularly, you know. Yeah, they so, do, don't they? Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. But um, but um, so we've nearly reached the end. We've only, we've only got one more choice each, and this is sort of our this is our sort of late night viewing this one, and this this is a bit of a maybe a bit of a wild card. This one, perhaps. Um, so so what what have you selected for your final choice for well, the for the day? 
I wanted to bring along, as it were, um, <laughs> yeah, a memory of actually watching television on Christmas Day or Christmas Christmas night when I was right. a kid, or not a kid, but when I was living in New Zealand. Okay, so yeah, yeah, um, and TV, as I say, on Christmas Day was was not quite as uh, dedicated to Christmas themes as it is over here, or it was it wasn't so sort yeah. of and. So when I was a teenager, you know, I, I late sort of, I don't know, late eighties. I was fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Um, yeah. I remember, and I've looked for this online, and not been able to find it. But I remember my dad, because I lived with, with with my dad. My mum had died, and um, my dad mm-hmm. would tend to go to bed relatively early. And um, yeah. I remember Christmas Day or Christmas evening, 88, 89. So I'd have been 14, 15. And there was this Australian thing. And I want to say it was called Cornflakes for Christmas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, be- but I, I can't swear that, that that was what it was called. That was what it was called. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It was, it was a... <sighs> It was about, oh, how do I put this? It was like this, again, awful family. So I mentioned um, uh, Mal and Griff, the Christmas video. Yeah. It was this awful family, right? And it's like they were in this, it was like a half, it was like a half hour, kind of like a sketch. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And they were in this this room and it was like completely spartan empty there was no wallpaper there were no there was a table and chairs no pictures on the walls no tv no carpet no you know what i mean completely yeah yeah. and they're in this room and um it's christmas day apparently and they've got no food for christmas dinner all they've got are cornflakes and my memory is and this might be completely wrong is that the father is this drunkard, feckless, shiftless bum, basically, mm. right? Yeah. And they have to have cornflakes for Christmas dinner, right? And and I remember watching this kind of mouth agape, thinking, <laughs> what is this? As am I at the moment. <laughs> okay, I can't believe what I'm hearing here, actually. This sounds and really I, weird. I, I have looked, as I say... I've looked this up, but I don't know if it was called Cornflakes for Christmas. I'm just, I'm kind of applying that title to it now retrospectively. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've looked, I've looked, I cannot find it. My the, the big thing that I remember, though, is that the father at one point goes over to the window and he, op- it's like hmm. a sash window, and he opens a sash window and he leans out like, you know, yeah. like he's taking a big, deep breath of air. Yeah, yeah. lungful of air. He leans mm. out, and he just falls. And we hear him. We hear him screaming like he's falling like several, <laughs> several stories. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the rest of the family go ah, and they're they're happy, and they say something like, "Oh, this is the best Christmas ever," kind of thing. Because Dad's just jumped to fall out the window. I'm not joking. Right. This happened, or at least uh, this is my memory. I saw this thing. Right. Yeah, and it stuck with me to this day. 
I didn't tape it. I wish to God I'd taped it at the time. I could have taped it. Do you know what? It sounds almost like a, like a, a Samuel Beckett kind of... Yeah. Doesn't it? That is that is such a weird premise. I think it was Australian. I think. Um, wow. And if anyone listening knows anything about this, um, please... Please write in. Yeah. Because it's the bleakest That's... Christmas story. <laughs> That is really peculiar. Oh, because I was wait- I was waiting for the funny punchline. There's no funny punchline. But there's not one. Is there? I've ruined this film. No. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've bought this no, there's down. There's nothing, is there? <laughs> wow. Well, it's um. Now, my my final choice, sort of my wild cards. It's um, it's a ghost story. Oh, actually, I'm not I'm not ending, I'm not ending that on on a, on a comedy. I'm ending Christmas night with M. a ghost James? story, and it is Omar James. Yep. How did you guess? Um, and it's the warning to the oh, curious, brilliant. yes, which I absolutely adore. I, I bought the M.I. James Ghost Stories for Christmas collection. It's released from uh, the BFI. Um, the I UV haven't range. bought it yet. Is it? Is it? Oh, yeah. it's marvellous! It's got the complete collection. And funnily enough, um, Talking Pictures TV, I've been showing these um, this week as, as we as we recalled. Um, and I think Warning to the Curious was actually on today. Oh, right. Funnily okay. enough. Um, but yeah, I, oh God, the thing is I first got into these from my, through my dad. Now he, he told me, um, about this thing he watched on television. He called it the U tree. And all he said about, I ended with these babies' heads bouncing across the floor. Yeah. And it bloody terrified me, him telling me this little thing. I was only fairly, sort of fairly young. And when I bought this collection... Um, I found that because I think BBC Four were repeating them, and I thought, right, I'm going to get these on DVD. Little, little realised that they, they used to repeat every year <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. Um, but it was actually called the Ash Tree. Was the actual <clears throat> title? Yeah. Um, and indeed, there were babies there, but they were um, spider babies, which again reminds me of uh, Father Ted with Dougal and the, the spider baby at the, at the fun <laughs> yeah. fair. Um, but <laughs> yeah, but. Um, but yeah, it, it it was these like horrible little puppet things that with like baby faces and eight legs. Yeah, and it's all yeah. very very crudely done. Yeah. Um, but the thing about all of these films, these sort of short sort of ghost story films, it's all it's all about the atmosphere and the use of sound rather than what you actually see. It's what they hold back. Yes. I think is scarier. Yes. To be honest, um, <clears throat> and I think with 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 this one, this I wanted the curious. It's the um, Apparently, the, the guy who made it, Lawrence Gordon Clark, he always wanted to make this almost like a silent film. So it was more to do with like listening to the, the wind or the use of music with hardly any dialogue. Yeah. Um, and just hearing noises to make you sort of jump or put you on edge, mm. really. Um, and he certainly does with this one. Um, it's like some of the, like the images when Peter Vaughan's character, Pax, has been chased by the by the, the spectre through the forest or or, through, or across the, the some fields or across the beach or whatever um and it's just the use of music really it, it's um that that's what makes it really really creepy yeah absolutely and and, and I and I love Peter Vaughan in this Vaughan's... as well oh just I mean what an actor actor and in in everything um yeah and it's like it's you know you don't need films like 
you know, the Saw trilogy or films like that where... No, you don't. Where it's um, just... It's, those sort of things do absolutely it's nothing. It's handed to you on a like plate. This. You want something yeah. that's, that's just suggestive, almost. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Um, and and that's and that a lot of these Mr. James adaptations are just that. It's it's suggestion um, more than anything else. And this was the second in the series. Yep. Um, the first one was the Stalls of Barchester, which starred Robert Hardy. Um, so this was the second one. It is this one had a longer. Um, a longer running time, so it was 50 minutes this one uh, went on for. But they they changed the story because a lot of um, M.R. James stories all surrounding sort of the protagonists of these stories are mainly sort of like clergymen or academics. Yeah. Um, and his original story for this one, it was a young, um, so, um, a young sort of academic who, who accidentally discovers this, one of the lost crowns of East Anglia. Yeah. But in but in this story, it's Peter Vaughan's character, Mister Paxton. Um, he's he's looking for it because he's down on his luck, and it's all set during the Great Depression. He's just lost his job, so he's looking for something f- to make his fortune. And he's a bit of an amateur archaeologist. Yes. So and uh, so so it's quite a good. So the way they change the, um, they change the set, not the set, but the time period, and also change the age of the person and his reasons for doing it, I think works really well. And I think people can probably no, sort of relate to it a little bit more yes, as well. It's... Rather than an academic or a clergyman or something, you know. Yeah, um, it is, it is, it's not horrifying, but it's, it's just unnerving to me. And, it is, um, yeah. As um, is the, I know it's not M.R. James, it's Dickens, but the, the Signalman with uh, Denham Elliot. Yes, that's marvellous. Yeah. It's absolutely marvellous. Have you have you seen Whistle and I Come To You yes. with Michael Holden? Yeah, God. Oh, again, it's the sound. In the, and I know if you haven't seen it, um, you'll never look at bedsheets in the same way again. <laughs> um, but um, but again, I think that is... The, the, when he's got the, the, that thing chasing him across the beach, and it, all it is, it's, it's, I think it's actually Michael Holden's voice or... or um, cry sort of slowed down, so you've got this funny growl going as he's been chased across the mm. beach. It's, it's, again, it's that use of sound and that that noise when he wakes up mm. as well. It's it's, it's jolt, um, and it makes you jump. All every, every time I watch it, I still jump at it. Um, but again, there's no gore. Um, it's no real horror as such. It's not even. I mean. It's, Yes, it is a, just a ghost story. It's just it's just all about atmosphere and, as you said, suggestion. And I love them. I absolutely adore yeah. them. Um, and I think with Warning to the Curious, I think it's, it, it's the best one. Um, none of none of the stories end nicely for the protagonist. There's always a price to pay for their curiosity. Um, and I think that's the thing about each of these stories. It's all about their um, someone's curiosity is their undoing yes. all the time. And um, I think, and again, this story is exactly the same. And you've got Clive Swift's character, Dr. Black, who doesn't appear in any of the M.R. James stories. He was just used as a framing device um, right. for. Have you ever seen Stalls of Barchester? I don't think I have, no. Okay, well, his character was, was created for that story, and he's, in, he's sort of um, researching. Um, at a sort of university college library yeah. for whatever. And he, that's where he starts researching about um, Robert Hardy's character. So then um, 
they had him come back for this story, but he might plays more of an active role in the story, which has got nothing to do with M.R. James whatsoever. He was created specifically for this. So, um, but again, his performance is really good. Um, and he can't save uh, Peter Vaughan's character either which I, and he's and the way he plays it um it's 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 so upsetting actually because he's upset his character's really upset that he, he he couldn't do anything about it um i just i just think it's it's wonderful it, everybody puts in a really really good performance now, come back to peter vaughan i mean i i only really knew him first knew him as a genial harry grout from porridge sure yep so it was quite a menacing, threatening character. But I've seen him do other things now. He can, yeah. he can do menacing, threat. He can play meek and he mild. Can. I've watched quite a bit of his, you his know, sixties uh, TV stuff. That, yeah, um, the Gold Robbers, for example. Um, That's right. Yeah, and um, and he's he's been in so many things right up until I think he was he was he in Game of Thrones. He was in Game of Thrones, which I've yeah. not seen, but I know he was in it. Um, yeah, such a career, Jesus. He was, of course, yeah. in um, and uh, Peter Sellers' film, Life Death of Peter Sellers. The, the yes. Oh, 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 yeah. I was going to say he also played um, Peter Sellers' dad. Oh, in the Life and Death, yeah, the Death of Peter Sellers. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about the Blockhouse. Actually, yeah. So that's two he, who uh, ends Sellers up connections there. Committing suicide, a bit like um, Brian Murphy in um, <laughs> The Man Who Blew Away, <laughs> which oh, dear. one foot in the grave, <laughs> which. It all it all connects, doesn't it? That's a grim film, The Blockhouse, isn't it's it? It's a very grim film. Mm. Yeah, very very. It's, grim. it's not bad but, though. Uh, it's not bad. No, it's not. It's a it's um. I say it's a very very good film, and I, I think unfairly ignored at the time. Yep. Actually, I, I really do. Um, but uh, but uh, yeah. So yeah, but Peter, yeah, Peter Vaughan, absolutely fantastic, and um, I think and I think this is the best of the. Of the M.R. James adaptations, um, so uh, the, I think and it's also on the BFI. Is it a collection? Did you say collection? Yes, because it's got all of them. It's got also the. Um, <clears throat> it's got the John Hurt version as well. Of uh, I think they've updated it now since I last had it. Because I think it's more of a because um, BBC Four and Mark Gatiss did quite a few yeah. adaptations yeah. Um, as well. So I think it's been updated. So, um, but the one I've got is also got. The Signalman. Um, it's also got Whistle I Come to You, the Michael Holden version. Um, it's also got two other Ghost Stories of Christmas, which were modern day ones, which weren't and, and not based on M.R. MR James, and they're not that great, if I'm if I'm honest. Which is the Ice House and uh, Stigma, mm. I think was the other one. Okay. So yeah, which which aren't so great, but uh, but these are worth these are worth getting. It's worth getting just for these, All right, really. Cool. I would say, yeah, good. So uh, excellent. So that's it. We've reached the end. So I've ended the ended Christmas down on a ghost story, um, which um, actually another funny little sort of bit of trivia actually for this one. There's a lot of music used in this, which isn't music. It's very very avant garde, Um, and I think I'm I'm pronouncing this right. It's a a a composer called Georgi Leggetti or or Leggetti, depending on how you're pronouncing your your G's there. Mm -hmm. There's a piece of music in this called Atmospheres. And it was used in 2001 A Space Odyssey when Dave Bowman's going through the Stargate. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so if you if you watch this and think, oh, that's that music sounds a bit familiar, 
that's where it's come from. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, they use. Um, I, I think you've got three pieces of music in this uh, film uh, of this ghost story, all from Yorgi Legetti. So that you see, it's very, very, very odd. I've I've actually listened to it, and it's it's in its entirety. It's it's very, very odd, very avant garde. Um, it's it's not easy listening. Put it that right. way. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't cheer you up, put it put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So, um we've we've reached the end. We've 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 filled a day with uh, Christmas Day television there. Um I think you, you certainly come up with, with some surprises for me there, Tyler. Especially that yeah. last one, the the, the, the uh, cool flights for Christmas, or whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> That's <laughs> Maybe it was a, the result of a fever dream. I don't, I don't know, but I, I just... It must have been, yeah. Too much cheese, I yeah. think, before we went to bed that night. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent stuff. <clears throat> so, um, so <clears throat> you're still um, going on with, with Goonpot at the moment. Um, I say, I'd say to all my listeners out there, please go and listen to it. If you're a fan of not just the Goons, but also comedy, really. Um, as we've been discussing, you've, I mean, Tyler's had so many different guests... Um, on, on on his podcast, and it, it really is a, a fantastic listen. Oh, thank um, you. And I, I, I would say no no one episode is the same, which I think is is is, is lovely because it, you cover so many different subjects on there. Um, oh yeah, I mean, so I mean, for, you know, so when's this going out, Phil? This this episode? Well, well this this will be going out um, on Sunday the eighteenth of December. Oh, okay, so yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I am going to be taking a break from Goonpod in January for a month mm-hmm. or two, but um, I'm going to be doing or putting out an episode between Christmas and New Year, which has got no Goon connection whatsoever. It's Clockwise, the John Cleese film. Um, yeah. Just because I just want to do something that's a bit different and a bit uh, mm-hmm. you know unrelated to the Goons. Um, and because I, I think it's a great film. So uh, please, you know, if you like British comedy, you know, Python, The Goons, um, alternative comedy, just, you know, Goon, Goon Pod, there will be something there for everyone, really. So Fantastic. Yeah, I, I say please do go and listen because you, you won't regret it. It, it. It's a wonderful, wonderful podcast. And uh, links uh, to Tyler's podcast, The Goon Pod, <coughs> will be in the show notes. So there we go. So, so Tyler, thank you so much for chatting to me. I think for the last, it's got to be nearly two hours. I actually, I, I, my this, voice this is be, this... going. I do apologise. I'm just <laughs> do a sound horse. I'm... <clears throat> yeah, I've been taking little sips of water. <laughs> no one heard it on the microphone. I was trying to keep my yeah. Uh, I just you know, I, I sound like I'm, my, my um, whistle wet as I call it. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I do apologise, listeners, if I sound. If I sound... <clears throat> <clears throat> yes, but no, Phil, it's been it, it's oh, been good. absolutely delight. Thank you. Yes, thank you for coming on. It's, it's been absolutely marvellous. I've, I've really, you know, thoroughly enjoyed that. That was, that was absolutely brilliant. So, um, so I think Ria just leaves us to say um, to everyone, have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Well, now with our last look at the clock here on BBC One, it's time for us to turn out the lights and leave the night to Father Christmas on his rounds with his reindeer and sleigh. So on behalf of everyone still here on BBC One, this is Robin Whitting from the Television Centre in London wishing you all, wherever you may be, a peaceful night and a very good night. And a very happy Christmas to you all. Good night. <laughs>